Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Lift Your Life podcast. And we are in for overcoming binge eating, the psychology of binge eating, part two. So last week's episode, I basically delved into those three maintenance factors of the things that can lead to sort of the maintenance of binge eating behaviors. So diet rigidity, emotional dysregulation, and overvaluation of weight and shape. So if you're just, if you've tuned in now and you're like, what do you want about? I would go back and listen to episode number one first. Um, it's only a short one, but it just gives you an insight into those, those factors and variables which can drive binge eating behaviors. But in today's episode, and I'm guessing this is the one you've been more excited about and more interested to hear about, it's the practical strategies for how you can overcome those binge eating behaviors. And we're gonna break it down into those three different factors because each of those factors has different you know, psychological mechanisms and behaviors and emotions and things attached to it. So each of them has their own way of overcoming binge eating behaviors. So I'm gonna delve into those today, explain them to you. Now, like I said, I want to give that full transparency and disclosure that I am not a psychologist, I am not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, I don't have any sort of qualifications in that respect, but I do have a psychology-based degree and I am qualified in breaking binge eatings for professionals. So if you have clinical binge eating disorder, I cannot help you out and this is probably not gonna be helpful for you and I really, really would advise going and seeking some professional help. However, if you just do struggle with binge eating behaviors and tendencies every now and again and overeating, these strategies will be really, really bloody useful for you. So please don't just listen to it and go nod and go, that sounds great. Please get your pen and paper out, your notes section on your phone, take notes, take action, and let's really start to drive down those binge behaviors. And if you are just, of course, interested um, in learning about the psychology of binge eating and how you can overcome it, just enjoy, just enjoy this episode. So let's get straight into it. So the first one that I wanna go into is diet rigidity. So just to recap, diet rigidity is the idea of being restrictive in terms of the kinds of foods, the types of foods, and when you eat, and this can lead to binge eating behaviors. So step number one is actually one that you might be surprised at in terms of how you can overcome it. It's just regular eating patterns. It's been shown time and time again that restricted-based eatings can lead to extreme hunger and food focus. So if you're eating, you know, skipping breakfast and then not really eating all day and then having these massive overeats at night and what have you, this is what can cause these, these binge eating behaviors because of the extreme hunger, the extreme food focus, the extreme cravings all the extreme blood sugar crashes and drops that happen. So step one is to just make sure that you have a regular frequent eating pattern. So what this looks like is you don't have to be like a bodybuilder. You don't have to be eating out Tupperware <laughs> every, you know, three hours chicken and rice, bro. But you do want to be eating every few hours. You know, I'd say, I think three to four hours. And what this is going to do is firstly, it's going to combat any sort of delayed um, restricted eating patterns. So if you have restricted eating patterns in terms of the time of day, if that's where your restriction is, that's going to obviously combat that because we know that that can lead to overeating. So if you're skipping meals or you're you know skipping this, 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 not eating after this, it's going to combat that, which is going to allow you to just eat more normally, so to speak, without you know going into binge eating based behaviors. It's going to establish structure and control as well. We know that snacking can happen a lot when you don't really have any sort of structure within your day. And what snacking does, snacking-based behaviors where you're just picking at things, it basically creates this perceived loss of control that you are out of control with your eating and then that can lead to you feeling like you failed, which can then lead to you obviously then going into binge eating patterns and behaviors. So it just establishes that structure and control and helps you to feel in control of your eating and of your eating behaviors. Because again, 
binge eating is established as this kind of loss of control and this is you taking control and mood stability as well so we know that emotional dysregulation is something that can cause um binge eating so by that i mean you know not being able to control your emotions negative emotional states but a negative emotional state can arise due to lack of food that we know we get hungry (laughs) and we make a joke out of it you know you're not you when you're hungry get some snickers and all that but when our blood sugars are low we haven't eaten for a while we do get hungry we do get irritable we do get more stressed and so if you're already sort of pre-stressed and then you're hungry that's again um, a risk factor for sort of binge eating based behaviors so you see how just by eating every few hours it doesn't have to be meals it can be snacks as well you know controlled planned snacks or small meals or what have you can just create structure control can drive down hunger can therefore drive down binge eating based behaviors so how you want to do this is actually just create a structure that works for you there's no point me saying you know you want to have your breakfast at seven and then have a mid-morning snack there's going to be a routine that works for you so if you really 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 don't eat breakfast make sure you're having something mid-morning eat when you're hungriest place snacks in and around your work schedule but make sure that you are eating frequently make sure that you are eating regularly and you kind of become disciplined with that you know, hold yourself accountable, maybe do like accountability chart, set reminders on your phone. It might seem a little bit forced and a little bit weird at first, but honestly, 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 a regular eating pattern is one of the biggest drivers of driving down binging behaviors. And this is one I can actually say that I've experienced firsthand. I used to be terrible. I used to restrict myself all through the day. I remember being at uni and like literally eating nothing. I think I'd like a breakfast biscuit and then I wouldn't eat all day. Like, and I literally mean I would not eat all day. And then I would binge overeat when I was at work at fast food or when I got home. As soon as I worked with a PT and she basically gave me, I think it was three meals and two snacks a day. And I just stuck with that. It pretty much stopped within like a few weeks. And not, I didn't even realize at the time that that was why. But you know, when I've studied this now, it like it all makes sense. The dots are connected. So you do have to be quite disciplined with it at first, um, but it really does pay off. Now, just one caveat to that is that you you want to be disciplined and structured, but you also want to be adaptive because there's going to be times where, you know, you can't eat a meal or a snack because you've got a job or you're going out for meals, so you don't just want to eat loads and loads of snacks and, you know, whatever. You know, be adaptive to what's going on in your life and be okay with that. But honestly, just having that eating every few hours for the majority of your days, most days will really make a difference. So if right now, you struggle with binge eating and you 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 can say actually you know what i don't eat every few hours and i have massive gaps in my day just have a bit of a reflection and go are those massive gaps correlated with when you binge or when you overeat and i'm pretty confident that they will be so like i've said you don't have to be a bodybuilder six meals a day but small planned snacks and again i would definitely look into planning your snacks around foods which are actually going to satiate you and keep you full so think volume-based foods, think, you know, not just processed snacky junk food, think higher protein. These things will really, really, really help because they'll help stabilize your blood sugars as well. So just keep things regulated so you don't have these huge crashes and spikes throughout your day. So that is the first one when it comes to diet rigidity. And the next one is obviously then to actually fix your faulty cognitions and beliefs and perceptions of food. So when you have diet rigidity around certain food types and food groups and times of the day and what have you, it's based off a faulty or a false perception or a belief, whether that's based off your old personal experience, whether it's from like a diet you've done in the past, something you've seen on social media, for whatever reason you have this false belief, you know, I can't eat carbs after six, I can't eat chocolate because I'm just going to binge, I'm just going to overeat and I'm going to gain all this weight, whatever it is. You label foods as good as bad. You put them in these dichotomous categories. And then as we know that when that happens, you then have something which is, you know, 
banned, forbidden, bad, you then feel bad and then lo and behold, you've gone into a binge. So how the hell do you overcome these, you know, faulty cognitions? Well, the first thing is new, just nutrition education. If you don't really understand nutrition in terms of macronutrients, micronutrients, what composes energy balance? Um, speaking of that, um, if you want to join my free Facebook group, I will leave the, um, the, the, the link to join. If you scroll back to last week, I did a whole bunch of content on energy expenditure and what contributes towards it. So go check that out because there's loads of really informative videos in there for you. And again, knowing what foods um, contribute towards weight gain, food volume, food density, all of these little bits and bobs, if you would say that you don't really understand food and you can't actually explain why when you have this food of, you know, fear food of this will make me fat, I can't eat after this. If you can't actually you know, explain that or know the scientific mechanisms behind it, because the most of the time there isn't one, then you just need to educate yourself because knowledge is power. And when you can understand food and understand calories and energy balance and these things, it really does help with your relationship with food because you then actually just understand it for what it is and then you can actually start to debunk some myths and understand that actually, do you know what? A square of chocolate won't make me fat. You know, a whole bar of chocolate will rack up a hell of a lot of calories and that might if I have that every day, but the odd square here and there won't because chocolate on its own, there's no issues with it as long as it's accounted for and my energy balance is on point. And it's just literally understanding that, but really do educate yourself on that. And this is why within my coaching, I educate my clients and I don't just give them a plan and go, there you go, mate, off you go. Um, because I want them to understand this because it not only helps them to be able to crush it and boss it on their own, but massively helps with their food relationships. So that's step one. But sometimes the education alone is not enough. Even though you then know the, the, the facts, that irrational belief can still be there. Um, and the way that you can confront that is via an experiment. And this is actually something that I do do with my clients. So what you need to do is basically come up with a statement and our hypothesis about a certain food or negative belief. So it's like being back at school, but honestly, you have to do it and just basically prove yourself wrong. So for example, let's go with the chocolate again. So I can't eat chocolate because it will make me fat. Okay, so that's what you want to say and then basically just confirm how, how much do you believe that to be true. So if you do have that as a very strong food belief, you might be like, well, that's about 100% believe that, which is why I avoid chocolate. Then what you need to do is test it. <laughs> you just literally need to go and go, right, we'll have a square of chocolate today. Go and have a bar of chocolate. And then, you know, do that for a bit of time, go and have the chocolate every other day and then come back to it in a couple of weeks. Now we're going to reconfirm that statement. So what's your weight done over the last two weeks? Nothing. Okay, so does chocolate make you fat? No. So how much do you believe that statement to be true? I still have anxieties, but I don't really believe it to be true now. And what you do have to just keep doing that and proving yourself wrong and actually showing yourself that these faulty beliefs and false cognitions aren't true because they've come from somewhere, they've been learned and they can be unlearned. So you literally just have to kind of set it up as like a mini science experiment. And I do run this with clients and they're at first like, what are you asking me to do? But once they've done it, you just kind of realize actually, what was I even doing? I did it with one of my clients um, about a year ago now actually, uh, because she came from Slimming World and she had this massive, massive food fear of avocado. She bloody loved avocado, but Slimming World, you know, with all the sins and the points and you know, avocado because it's bad, but you can smash all the pasta hunt, that's sound. She was petrified of eating avocado out of fear of weight gain. So I said, right, um, you want, today, um, I want you to take off X amount of calories from your day. I want you to then have some avocado um, as part of your meal. Let me know how you go. And she was like, I can't do that. So you can't because we factored in X amount of calories and that's how much is in the avocado. So there's no issues. We did it. We did it a few times and she was like, I've overcome it. <laughs> what was I even worried about? Bloody slimming world. Jesus Christ. And that's the way to do it. 
So if diet rigidity is holding you back, if diet rigidity is what is potentially driving your binge eating behaviors, one, establish a regular eating pattern and two, educate yourself and just prove yourself wrong and by setting up those mini experiments. So moving on now to over-evaluation of weight and shape. So if we go back to what that is, it's basically just putting so much of your self-worth on your body weight and your shape, which can lead to self-sabotage behaviors around food and binge eating behaviors. So when we say over-evaluation, what we mean is we don't mean that you know you, you wanna lose weight or you don't you know wanna look better. It's that that is your full identity, that is your full purpose, that is what makes you a good or a bad person. Um, and it's just, it's, it's consuming in your thoughts, it's consuming in your behaviors and it's taking over. You know, if you were to do a pie chart about the things that make you up as a person or make you a person, it would pretty much be the, the majority. So how the hell do we drive down this over-evaluation of weight and shape to drive down binge eating behaviors? Now, we wanna build your self-worth. We want to build up your self-worth as a person and drive down your self-worth in, in relation to your weight and shape. Because the issue of putting so much emphasis on your weight and shape is firstly is you're putting all of your eggs in one basket. If you just put all of your emphasis into, I am a good person if I lose weight or achieve X. Because the fact of the matter is if that element fails, you feel like a failure. And when you feel like a failure, that's when you go into fuck it mode. It's like a businessman, you know, someone who's super passionate about business saying, business is the only thing that makes me good. If his business then collapses, he will collapse. He will go into meltdown. Even though there is so many more things to him, he could be a family man. He could be really good at sports, but he only cares about his business. The issue of putting so much emphasis on weight and shape as well is that there is always going to be something to compare against. You know, there is always going to be other people out there to compare against. And you are always going to be making those negative downward comparisons and making yourself feel bad. So you are always just going to be putting yourself into a very, very negative state in terms of your beliefs. And a lot of these very, very, you know, driven beliefs around weight and shape and thoughts are driving factors for disordered eating basing behaviors, which we, we don't want to fall ourselves into. So by all means, there is nothing wrong with wanting to look a bit better, wanting to lose a little bit of weight, but when it becomes your thoughts and it becomes your identity, that is when it's an issue. So how the hell do you overcome this? So first and foremost is you want to increase the importance of other areas of your life. So just evaluate how much time do you dedicate to activities centered around food and shape and weight? How much do they take up of your day? How much do they take up of your week? And just really analyze and assess that. Now, when this is completely off topic because it's nothing to do with binge eating, but when I did have to completely change my lifestyle when I was going through my period recovery journey, um, when I was told, you know, you can't train, um, you need to stop tracking, you need to stop doing all this bodybuilding stuff, I was like, whoa, well, what the hell do I actually do? Because bodybuilding is my life. And then when actually someone throws that in your face, you can actually sit down and evaluate and go, what the hell do I actually do with my time? Who have I become? And it's actually quite sad to see that that's who you've become and that there's nothing else to you and you know what even though that was a very very stressful process it did actually make me stop and reflect and think who am I as a person and there should there's got to be more to me and I've then gone and done other things and filled my time with other things beyond um, bodybuilding so you need to need to evaluate that how much of your day is spent around that how much of your week is spent around that how much of your free time and your activities and you know, what you do on social media is dedicated to that. And can you start to engage in new activities you enjoy? What else lights your fire? Because there will be more to you that you enjoy. Was there something you used to do in the past, a hobby, a sport that you've just lost because you're just putting too much emphasis on, I need to go to the gym, I need to just prep all my food, um, you know, all of these things. 
you know, a sport, a book club, a charity, you know, joining a charity club, whatever it is, there's so many things that you could potentially do. Spending more time with family, spending more time with friends, um, you know, taking up, going back to the cinema more. That's something that I want to do recently. I've realized I've lost that. And it takes time because you are gonna have to change habits and automatic behaviors, and it will feel like you're creating a new lifestyle but it'll be a much more healthy and productive lifestyle. But again, what you do and fill your time with and what you create as importance is gonna be very significant to you as an individual. So I can't tell you what to do, you have to find that for yourself, but there will be something in there that is you makes you passionate, that you love, that you enjoy, and you just need to bring that back as you know something significant and important to you. And step number two, is to obviously then drive down the importance of weight and shape because we're bringing up the importance of other areas of your life and um, you know from a social perspective from an, you know, hobbies it could be things like you know further self-development as well and education whatever it is but then step two is to reduce the importance of weight and shape so bring that down so the ways that you can do that first and foremost is again education on weight shape body image understanding what can cause scale weight fluctuations do you actually understand your body's natural scale weight fluctuations because Scale weight fluctuations are very, very normal. You know, it is very, it will be very, very weird to see you weigh in at the exact same every single day or to lose weight in a very, very linear trend, like exactly a pound a week or what have you. It does fluctuate due to our hormones, due to our sodium intake, due to our stress levels, due to our sleep, due to so many bloody things. And the more that you can become aware of that and learn about your own body's natural fluctuations, you can actually then put weight fluctuations into context and become less bothered. You know, I used to be so goddamn scale weight focused and obsessed. And if it didn't move down, I would be angry and upset. But now I can really put it into context and understand why my scale doesn't move. And I can literally just look at it as data and go, right, that's what my scale weight's doing, okay, and nine times out of 10, when it doesn't move in the expected direction, I can pretty much say why, because I'm so aware of my own body. Um, social media, understanding that, you know, the, the people that you're comparing yourself to and what you're comparing yourself to is not real life. It's a highlight reel. People show the best bits. No one's going to show them looking at their worst, feeling at their worst, talking about all the weight they've gained. You are not the only person. So just being very, very hyper aware that social media is that and doing a bit of a social media audit as well. You know, do you just follow fitness accounts? Do you just follow food accounts or do you follow your friends? Do you follow celebrities that you're interested in and um, do you just constantly scroll other people and just compare that's something just to look at as well and if these people are making you feel good because they're inspiring you to to train harder to be better some healthy recipes cool but if it's just becoming obsessive or they're making you feel worse get rid honestly just bloody get rid because what is the point point? and understanding as well that body image is, is fleeting and fluctuating. You know, people talk about, you know, oh, I feel amazing, my body, I've finally reached a point where I'm confident. Even these people will have bad body image days. Everyone has bad body image days. The same way that we just have bad days. You know, sometimes you just wake up and you're just like, oh, life, I'm in such a bad mood today and I don't know why. <laughs> that can happen with body image. You know, if you wake up in a bad mood, that's gonna impact your self-perception. If you're waking up and you're just feeling a little bit bloated, it's gonna impact your self-perception. So just understand that body image is fleeting, so don't beat yourself up. If you have just a slightly negative day, it doesn't mean that you hate yourself and what have you, it's just, we all have them. So that's step one, is just all of those things. Number two is body functionality. So when you become super hyper-focused in and aware on and obsessed with how you look, you can just start to really, really pick it apart. But actually what we forget is how bloody amazing our bodies are and what they can do for us. And this is what I did last year. So when I had to detach from body image and body transformations for myself and my physique, 
it was bloody hard because no one ultimately wants to see themselves getting worse. So what I had to do was body functionality and just appreciate my body for what it does and me looking after it. So this is a task I get a lot of my clients who do struggle with body image to do is body functionality and appreciation. So it's a simple journaling task to do with your normal daily journaling or separate. And instead of you know, writing down that you want to change your body, you just think of one thing that you are appreciative of that your body can do for you or something that you do like about your body. Because our bodies do such amazing things every single second. And when you can actually stop and meditate and just reflect on that, it's, it's really power empowering. And you can actually then become quite upset with yourself for, for beating yourself up about, you know, your hair not looking good or a little bit of body fat here because it's like my body has a heart that actually is beating and allows me to see and allows me to move and allows me to taste and feel and all of these amazing things. And it's amazing, it really is. And when you actually really stop and reflect, it's like, wow, it does so much for me. Um, I appreciate it and I love it unconditionally. And that can really help and it can put things into perspective when you are having a bad day. And um, that is one I would really recommend for anyone, regardless to whether you struggle with binge eating or not it really just helps with body image and self-perception. And the final thing that you can do is you can overcome this, I call it mind reading and it's kind of called mind reading, which is the idea that when you, you know, you're so obsessed with your, your body image and your physique and your weight and you think that people are judging you, you're like, oh, they, they know I put on weight and they must hate me because, you know, I put on weight or they, they know that I've gained, you know, fat and they're judging me for my size and what have you. And we, we make these judgments, don't we, that people know that we've put on weight and people are staring at us and people think badly of us because of how we look. But we don't do the same for other people. So what you can do is overcome this, you know, pre-judgment mind reading by questioning it. And this is quite a tough challenge and this is probably not a bit of advice that I would give to people, but it is um, a strategy that I did learn on the course for overcoming over-evaluation of weight and shape. And it's basically getting people that you trust to validate your thoughts. So if you're basically saying, uh, your thought pattern was, um, I don't know, I've put on weight, um, I feel like a failure, everyone must think I'm a failure. So it's just asking people that you trust, you know, am I a failure? And they're like, well, no, why? Because I've put on weight. Well, I've not even noticed, you know? It's, it's just questioning those, getting people to actually invalidate those thoughts. And again, it's that thing, of, it's kind of like the experiment thing that you've done in the past, but that's quite a tough challenge to do. But if you do have people that you trust in your corner, just getting people to actually tell you that you're bloody wrong can really, really help just actually go, do you know what, what is wrong with me? Because I would not be looking at anyone else in the office or anyone else at home and thinking that. So why do I think that people are thinking that about me? So in summary, that is over-evaluation of weight and shape. It is just the process of increasing the importance of other areas and decreasing the importance of weight and shape to drive down and those binge eating behaviors. So the final one, and the one that I think most of you may struggle with who are listening to this because you struggle, is mood dysregulation and how we can overcome that. So again, in summary, mood dysregulation is the idea that you have a negative emotional state, you don't have the coping strategies to deal with it, which then leads to binge eating, comfort eating, overeating as the behavior um, to cope with it. So there's two ways that you can basically deal with mood dysregulation when it comes to binge eating. You can basically prevent the emotions happening or you can react to the emotions happening in a different way. So your antecedent strategies are basically how you can actually prevent the emotion from happening in the first instance. So this is with a strategy what is called systematic problem solving. So this requires you to become very, very, very self-aware, but it really is worth doing. So what you need to do is identify the issue at hand and the emotion. So 
when does well the issue is obviously the binge eating but where does that come from what is the emotion that's triggering it what are your emotional triggers is it that you snack and binge out of boredom is it that when your work stress just piles up you then binge is it that when you are just feeling absolutely mentally drained from everything that's going on in your life you just become very very self-aware of why your binge eating habits your emotional eating habits happen what you then need to do is come up with some possible solutions for what you could do instead in response to that emotion if it does happen or how you can prevent that emotion from exacerbating further and then just question if it will work so for example your emotion is boredom well how can you prevent boredom from getting to a point where you want to emotionally eat could you ring a friend could you go for a walk could you stay at work a little bit later i don't know what you need to do is come up with a load of solutions to how you could basically deal with that problem well deal with the emotion before it becomes a problem before it becomes out of control and that you feel you need to emotionally eat. So again, stress. How can you stop yourself reaching that point of extreme stress where you just want to go for food? Could you, again, go for a walk, ring a friend, take, you know, go meditate. But what you need to do is come up with a plethora of solutions, but actually then question if it will work. Because you see it, don't you, on like social media where people are like, oh, so when you're hungry, just, you know, drink some water or go for a walk. And like things like going for a walk are bloody brilliant. I'm all for a walk, but a walk is going to do fuck all if you know, you're bored at work. You can't just get up and go, sorry guys, I'm, I'm, I can't work. I need to go for a walk because I can feel a bit of boredom coming on and that's going to lead me to go into the snack drawer. It's not really going to work. And some just won't work for you. Like for example, you know, some people say like, you know, do the coloring books or watch TV. But if you know that that's just not going to actually solve that issue, there's no point doing it. So come up with some solutions. Think of the ones which are probably going to work best for you and then implement and repeat. And again, you're going to have to do this over time. If it works, you just want to keep going at it and going at it and go at it and reformulating this habit loop um, and basically stopping that emotion from ever reaching problematic states. Because that is what this is doing. This is basically stopping the problem from becoming a problem by identifying the emotion and dealing with it before it becomes just too much to handle and you know you've always just let this emotion happen and then you've always just then gone into food as a result so it's going to take time to unlearn this and it's going to take persistence but it can and it will and it does happen so that's systematic problem solving and then the next one in terms of preventing the emotion from getting too big and obviously too problematic is what's known as cognitive reappraisal. So that's the idea of recognizing your own negative thinking patterns, which can then obviously lead to these intense emotional reactions and just basically reevaluating them. It's a bit like CBT. If you've heard of CBT before, it's the idea of you know your statement and then just flipping it on its head and questioning its validity. So for example, let's just say, you're late for work and your negative reappraisal is, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. I'm always late. I'm super mega stressed. I can't do anything right. I'm a failure. Um, you know, that is your negative appraisal of and thoughts of yourself, which is then obviously driving up stress and, you know, negative emotions about yourself, which those emotions around, you know, self-hatred and stress could lead to a binge for sake of argument, right? So what you need to need to do is really slow down, become very, very self-aware and self-critical of your own negative thinking patterns and flip them on its head. So I am late for work, but it's not my fault. So why am I stressing and why am I beating myself up about something that I can't control? You know, I'm not an idiot. I'm not a failure. It's just one of those things. It is what it is. But actually, maybe I could have said off five minutes earlier. You know, you can always take a positive from it. And it's just flipping your perspectives on its head. Because a lot of the time, these extreme negative emotions come from negative faulty con- cognitions about ourselves. You know, when you are stressed, there's a lot of studies to show that 
how we deal with stress is not actually down to the stressor, but our perception of it. So this is the power of perceptions and thoughts and mindset. This is why I'm so bloody big on mindset and self-belief and self-confidence because when you have the capacity and ability to completely flip your cognitive appraisals on their head and your thinking patterns, it's gonna impact your behaviors because you know your emotions aren't gonna get ridiculously crazy and therefore you're not gonna turn to things like food in order to deal with them. So what it's gonna do is it's just gonna drive down those negative emotions. It's just gonna shift those thoughts and feelings. And obviously then it's gonna have a shift in behavior because if you're not getting to that point where you're just beating yourself up or having these extreme and crazy intense emotional reactions because of you, you've changed your thinking patterns, well, if the intense emotion isn't there, then the behavior isn't gonna be there. Simple. Well, it's, it's not simple. <laughs> if it was that simple, we'd all be able to do it. But I hope that explains the logic behind it. So that's about dealing with your emotions before they actually happen. Now, there's another strategy that you can do, which is actually a more of a response focus. So that's dealing with the emotion after it has arisen because it'd be all, it's all very well and me good saying this, but there's just certain emotions that are just gonna happen. And as much as we can try and, you know, um, come up with strategies to stop them from exacerbating, sometimes they are just going to happen. It's, it's, it's nature of life. Unfortunately, we are going to get stressed. We are going to get bored. We are going to have bad days with ourselves. It is just going to happen. We can reduce them and we can be more in control, but they still may happen. So how you can deal with this is what's basically known as behavior chain analysis. It's very, very similar to systematic problem solving, um, but it's all about breaking this, this habit loop. So Emotional-based eating um, is, is, is a habit loop. So basically what happens is you experience an emotion, you, you eat food because we know that food drives up serotonin and dopamine. It takes away from that negative emotional state so you feel a little bit better um, for a short time. You know, it's a very, very short-term solution. Then that negative emotional feeling either comes back or is there again because you've not actually solved the problem and then you're just stuck in this cycle. But because you then repeat the cycle, it becomes like an automatic learned response. You know, the same way that if you you know, you've, you've cut some raw chicken, you'd go wash your hands. It's just what you do. I'd like to think that's what you do anyway. I really bloody would. So what you need to be able to do, again, is becoming very self-reflective. It's becoming very self-aware. So the first thing is you need to be able to reflect on the problem um, and you need to understand what leads to the problem. So let's just say stress. What factors lead to stress? What things can get you to that point where you're at that breaking point? What are the build-up factors? Become very, very self-aware of those things. Are there certain events that always happen that lead you to that? You know, is it always that the kids are arguing in the car? Is it always that, you know, you have to go to these meetings and they just, they, whatever it is. And also become very aware of vulnerability factors. Now, vulnerability factors basically are things that are going on that can basically make you more vulnerable to a binge. Because for example, you may go to work every single day, but you only binge um, once a week, for example. What is different? Maybe it is that just on a Friday, your vulnerability factor is that you have to do these meetings and it stresses you out. Are you more vulnerable when you haven't slept? Are you more vulnerable around your menstrual cycle? Just become, again, very, very self-aware of where you can be more vulnerable so you can become more self-aware of that this is when I need to really focus in on managing my emotions. And what you then need to do is, again, just understand what leads to the binge. It's just basically, it's almost just like storytelling yourself. So you need to be able to sit down and go, right, so... This was the binge, so what led to it was, um, the final straw was the kids threw pasta at the dog, I don't know, <laughs> That's something like that. 
But what led up to that was just this buildup of just stress across the day. And I'd slept really badly. So I was already in a bad mood before I started. So you see how you're kind of breaking it back down and just really, really just making it like a chain, a sequence, and understanding the sequence. What you then need to be able to do is break that chain somewhere. So for example, in that instance, could you have, um, you know, just knew that you were, you'd slept really badly that night, didn't feel good. Could you have asked for more support with the kids? Could you have taken a break somewhere? So again, it's just understanding your own behaviors and trying to break the chain reaction as it happens and just trying to unlearn that automatic response. You could also, again, like with the, um, the systematic problem solving, come up with a strategy for what you could actually then put in place. So instead of breaking the chain by you know taking a behavior out, what behavior could you put into the chain to stop it leading to a binge? So you kind of just kind of got to see it as a chain. And it's, it's one of those activities that's really good to do is actually written and actually see it because once you can actually see it and understand it and break down that chain, you can then understand where can things be taken out? Where can things be put in in order to stop it to leading to that event? Does that make sense? I hope it does. It's re it's one of those things where I can just visualize this so well. So I really hope that this has come out well and I've explained it well. But that that is it in summary. Um, lots for you to take home from that. Lots um, that I hope you've learned. I hope it has been helpful. Now, I do understand that it's been quite a whistle-stop tour of discussing this topic and discussing these strategies. So if you would like more content on this in terms of my Instagram or potentially my Facebook group, I could do some content in there. Please let me know. If you have any questions of any of these strategies yourself personally, either obviously just feel free to shoot me a message um, on Instagram or if you are one of my clients or friends or family, um, please just reach out. Um, but I hope it's been helpful and insightful and thank you very much for listening. Two weeks on the trot, if you have listened to them both, which I'd assume you have. But over and out for this week, I hope you've enjoyed this one. Again, if you have, let me know. Just send me a message, screenshot, it does mean the world. Have a bloody brilliant day, whatever the hell it is you're doing and I'll catch you on another episode.